Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. And we thank the Father as you look for that. I, I just want to thank God that he has allowed us the beauty of diversity in this church. I don't think many people, many churches stretch for something as specific as that. But I know that that is a desire of my heart, that we would be a home that is diverse. And I pray that you would share in that as well. If you see people sitting around you who you wouldn't normally or ordinarily be close to and in fellowship, brotherhood, and sisterhood, then I pray that this would be the place where God teaches you, teaches you how to long for diversity. Amen? So let's get into the reading of God's word, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 to 7. It says, I'm trying, you hear me getting slower? I get it. I'll get it. The word of the Lord says, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Verse two, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for One Life Christian Church. I thank you that on this cool day in December and this year, 2022, that you have called each and every one of us, including our children in the back, to be here, Father. Some of us are here to celebrate dedication of a child. Some of us are here out of curiosity. Some of us are here from an invitation. But Lord, regardless of why and how you've brought us to this house, I pray that your word would be spoken. I pray that you would use me, O oh Lord, that you would use this church to preach your gospel this morning. And may we all leave here with a renewed heart. If we feel convicted about something this morning, Lord, let it be worth something. Lean us back into the cross this morning and let us see your face once more in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today we begin our Christmas series, which is called, He Shall Be Called. He Shall Be Called. In this day and age, we live in a culture that is greatly receptive of people seeing therapists and psychologists. And just so that you guys know, I am a large, I'm a huge, I'm an emotional advocate of 
psychology, of therapy, of counseling. If anybody needs a list of suggested counselors or therapists, we have a list that we can provide you. But I don't know if perhaps you, like I, grew up in a culture. My home, not so much, although I saw this a little bit, but in a culture that didn't advocate for mental health. I remember when I was perhaps in high school and I was needing, it was obvious in my anger, it was obviously in my comportment, my attitude that I needed to speak to someone that wasn't my mom or my dad. And so my father, in his wisdom, he said, I'm going to look, and he was working at the hospital at the time. I don't know, Dad, if you remember, but he was working at the hospital, St. Francis at the time, and he said, I'm going to ask around and see if I can get you connected to someone, and he did. I don't know how it came to be, but he got me connected to a psychologist, and it was my first time sitting there. But I remember when we were going through that process, one of the concerns for both my parents was, oh, my God, what if it's on your record? Anybody ever hear about that, about that record? And now as an adult, I want to remind Sergio that I'm only 36 years old, praise the Lord. <laughs> I always heard about this record. And I'm like, oh man, I know, you don't want it to be on my record. And I know now there's a medical record, but I also know that there is also HIPAA. So, and if you don't know about HIPAA, look into it. Because once I found about HIPAA, I just kept going with my, my psychology and counseling. But what it allowed me was an opportunity to sit with someone who could give me direction and who could maybe referee some of my situations and me not have to feel bound or maybe anxious or nervous or even ashamed to share what I was going through. And I was a teenage boy to share what I was going through with my family, my mom, who it might be too much, my father, like what do I do with this? But I knew, and my father knew specifically that I needed someone to get this, to help me get this off my chest. So we live in a day and age where now it's almost like a thing, like, oh, you don't see a therapist? You gotta see this therapist, <laughs> right? Like, like it's the newest restaurant in town, you gotta go see this guy. You may see someone, someone in your family may go to counseling. Perhaps you've sat with me in my office and received some type of counsel. And I do have limitations. I know people think that pastors have all the answers. No, we don't. No, we don't. And so why, it's why we've created this list to help you go to someone who has more tools than we do. We're good as a counsel to maybe get you to these professionals. So I do already... Remember, like I was saying, that when I was younger, it was taboo for people to seek therapy and to seek help, especially for men. Like, I need help. But we felt like people would look down on us if we asked for help because we're being trained to be the help. But who listens to those of us who are expected to be strong? See, for you to get to some type of mental strength, you need to have assurance that you yourself are standing in some type of health. It's like me standing up here week after week telling you to love and trust our Lord Jesus Christ, but I have no idea who he is. How do I teach you how to pray if I don't know how to pray? How do I teach you how to trust in the word of God if I do not teach it to you and if I don't trust in it myself? We have to live these things out. I'm encouraging our men today in the house. 
You are called to be warriors and to lead your homes. And in order to do so, you need to make sure that your mental health is in line. Some of you even now in this room struggle with the idea of opening up about your struggles, about your past, maybe abuse, and your issues with a professional or even us. But as useful as therapy and counseling is, I am grateful for the words of the prophet Isaiah here. That we serve, believe in, and, a, and await for a wonderful counselor. For the next couple of weeks, I want to bring you through what Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says. And I'm going to read it to you here a little bit out of order. It says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, week one, Mighty God, week two, Everlasting Father, week three, and on Christmas Eve, our Prince of Peace. Let me give you some history, though. We're reading here in the book of Isaiah, which is in the Old Testament. Isaiah was a prophet. It is the prophet Isaiah who is speaking in this opening text today. A man who spoke to the people of Israel. Can someone guess how many years before the birth of Christ Isaiah spoke? Anyone? You can shout it out if you know. 500. It was eight, about 800 years before Jesus was born that Isaiah prophesied this unto this people. Now, if we just read this verse by itself, we can just be emotional or momentarily excited about Isaiah speaking about Jesus, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. But the history of this is that Isaiah is speaking to an oppressed people of God who live in concert, who lived in constant fear of a group of people, a very strong culture called the Assyrians, who at this time in history were on the march and they were taking captive all of the people that they were coming by. So they were conquering all of the lands and the people of Israel were afraid. They lived in constant fear. Isaiah was the man who God chose to speak on behalf of him to his people. And what an incredible prophet Isaiah was. Do you see the hope that Isaiah is sharing with the people in this text? Between verse 1 through 5, Isaiah is speaking towards a future hope. He's speaking to the people about anguish that they are going through. And in verse 2 of Isaiah chapter 9, he says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. I'm painting you the picture of who he's speaking to. Who is his audience? It is a people that is nervous, a people that are scared, that are running. And Isaiah has a word from God the Father, and he says, hope is on his way. And it's very possible that in 800 years, a lot of these people that he is speaking to, they wouldn't get to see Jesus in the flesh. But the simple prophecy, the prophetic of a coming hope was sufficient for the people. Imagine how much more when Jesus would now be given to the world in the flesh. Imagine how much more for us. 
that he has already come, he has already descended, he has already died for your sins and for mine, and we get to trust in something that he has already done. So here are two different vantage points, right? To the people of Israel then, Jesus was the Messiah to come. These are, these are different points of view. But now, many of us live in a very similar oppressed manner. And our vantage point is, for us, he is the Savior that hasn't just come and died for us, but also the Savior that is to return. I feel like we don't talk enough about that because we serve a God that has already sent his son and a Christ that will also return to save his people. Do we understand this? There are some theologies that teach that we are living in a time that exists after the second coming of Christ. I believe that to be heresy. Also, I don't engage in arguments like that with people. I simply trust in the word of the Lord. And my expectation and the hope that I have is that we are awaiting a coming Christ. And in the same way that our brothers and sisters, the people of Israel, were in this oppressed state, this state of anguish and fear, they were waiting for their coming Messiah. I don't know about you, but so do I. I await the coming of my Lord to all believers today who live in affliction, who are oppressed, who feel the enemy marching closer and closer day after day, and you feel that you live in fear, I say to you the words that Isaiah said to Israel in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child was born, to us a son was given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, say it with me, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and our Prince of Peace. That must fill you with incredible hope. This is our Christmas series leading up to Christmas. A study, that, a study of what Jesus was to be called Wonderful Counselor. And in looking at Wonderful Counselor, I think some of us may look at this name that Jesus is given by Isaiah and immediately equate it to the therapist that we were talking to. Wonderful and counselor. Have you ever stopped to consider the word wonderful? I guarantee you that this is way bigger than just Jesus being a really good therapist or an amazing psychologist. The English language is limited in the fullness of the definition of the word which is Pele. And I know, who was it, Gene, two weeks ago that was talking about how some of us preachers get fancy and we like to use the original words. There's a point to it. And honestly, I promise you I'm not that smart. I had to do studying for this, to, to share this with you. But I want you to see here the importance of digging into our word, even in the original, what we call sometimes the primitive because the word here, and I left it in the Greek, in the Hebrew, excuse me, the word in our languages would be Pele, or in our language would be wonderful, but in the Hebrew is pronounced Pele, and it means wonderful, wondrous, and marvelous. But more than just us using the word wonderful, which for us is just like, oh, that's really cool. Oh, that's kind of cool. Oh, that's pretty good. Wonderful is literally that, full of wonder, 
marvel. Wonderful means that it is beyond understanding in our capacity as humans. God exists beyond your understanding. As much as you will try to understand why he is, how he is, and does what he does, he exists beyond our understanding. Have you ever felt like you were just trying to, or you were getting caught up in trying to figure out something God was doing? God, but, but why? Lord, I, I mean, thank you, but, but why? You're doing what you're doing, but why? I have these moments sometimes being your pastor. And not, not because it's hard to pastor you, just because I see what God is doing in this house. And I sit at these men's meetings, and I'm just, and these men are encouraging us as elders and shepherds of this house. And I'm like, Lord, why would you choose me? I know my life. I know where I've come from. And many of us have that imposter syndrome. Some of you are sitting in this room right now, and you're like, this Jesus that the pastor is talking about, I don't deserve this. And because we have new people in the house, I'm going to give you something beautiful on this Christmas season. You don't. And that is the wonder of Christ. That we get a gift of a Savior that we never deserved. It's Christmas season. I'm sure everybody of you have a Christmas tree in your house. You already have your Christmas tree up. I don't know how many of you have started putting gifts under the tree. My mother was talking about gifts the other day, and I told her, please do not put gifts under the tree. It is too early. And these kids are going to go nuts. Like, I, I know my kids, and I'm sure your kids are the same. Praise, praise the Lord. But what a gift that children get when they misbehave, but parents love them so much that we still long or feel bad in not giving them something. Anybody else? Is that just me? And I'm, I'm kind of a rough dad. My wife says that I'm a little too soft, but like, I want to get mad at her. You're not getting anything. But in, in my mind, I'm still like Amazon.com, you know? And I think about John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Like that was a gift. Do you understand that salvation is a gift? That we don't deserve it. And that out of his love, he says, you know what? I'm going to wrap this beautiful thing up that you don't deserve. And I'm going to give it to you. And he has given us this wonderful counselor beyond your understanding. And this is not to say that because he is wonderful, that it is impossible to follow him. Because some people will hear the word awesome and too mighty or beyond my understanding and say, oh, it's not worth following him. No, it's now through the Messiah that we can fully engage in loving and trusting him while Jesus satisfies the, the voids of our humanity. Do we get that? You can focus on seeking God out day 
after day after day because Jesus has already satisfied and filled the voids of your broken humanity. Whereas before Jesus, they had to get these laws right. And people love laws. People love prescription. People love to come to the church and say, okay, this is how we get closer to the wonderful counselor. This is how you set an appointment with God. Step one, step two, step three. No, you just have to believe. Because of the Messiah, because of the Savior, we just have to say, I believe and I live as though I trust. Let me say that again. I live as though I trust. I trust that you are who you say you are. I believe that you are the wonderful counselor. Romans chapter 11, verse 33 says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. And inscrutable means beyond understanding. So the word here, now in the New Testament, tells us the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. In his wonder, Jesus, however, he also counsels. And what is his counsel? It's very simply, his counsel is his wisdom. Remember Romans 11.33 that we just read. Marvels at the depth of God's wisdom. His instruction is wise and his instruction is sound. For a troubled world with poor direction, God would send his son to shine and light up the world to bring it hope. I find that we again live in a world desperately in need of this very same hope. As parents especially, and for those of you who are adults, kids don't see this yet, but if you look back to how we were growing up, whenever your generation was, and you look at the world today, like, what happened? And I'm sure it was your parents or our parents when we were small that were looking back and said, what happened? What happened? There's reggaeton on the, on the radio now. What happened? And for us now, we almost wish, like, man, can we just dial back to reggaeton? Like, I feel like we could deal with that. I'm giving you a little bit of like what I went through. But I look at our world and I'm like, there's some days that I'm like, where do we go from here? Like, can this get worse? And I'm sure the generations before us said the same thing. Oh, look at what's happening with these young boys. Look at what's happening with these young women. The world, what is happening with the world? And I really do wonder in 2022, like we're seeing what I consider to be such immoral things happening throughout this world. Lord, how does this get worse? So I find that there are days that I too say, Maranatha, Lord, come. Because I don't know how this is going to, to look in another 10 years and 20 years and 30 years and when my kids are older, as much as I long for them to have a fullness of life, I find myself sometimes saying, Lord, come. And I believe that as a people in this generation, we don't trust and believe and seek his wonderful counseling. 
It's not bad to go and see a therapist. It's not bad to go and speak to your accountability partner. But it is bad when we place that before Jesus Christ. Your counselor will make a lot of mistakes. Your therapist does not know everything. I know that there are days that I long for his return. But until he returns like a thief in the night, I am satisfied with his counsel. And I pray that you would be also. Again, there are other people who might convince you into thinking that Jesus is going to come back in 2024, March 12th. Garbage. The word says that he's going to come back like a thief in the night. And unless you know when you're going to get robbed, you do not have the gift to know when he will return. And I promise you that. He will come like a thief in the night. And what's the beauty of that, Isaac? Why would they equate Jesus to a thief? That's not the point. Don't get distracted. The point is that we must be ready. We must be ready. The point is that even though no one's robbed you in your home, you better be ready. You better call ADT. And this is our security, that we would know and trust our Lord Jesus Christ. Be ready. Are you ready? Because I know you have ring cameras. But what are you doing about your soul? Where's the security for your heart? Some of you are sitting here, you're looking at me, and you're just like, hey, I just came to church because it's Christmas. I wanted to see what One Life was all about. And I'll tell you very simply what One Life is about. Everybody here, we want you to, we want you to love and trust Jesus Christ. And not just to say with your mouth, but live a life that says, I trust and believe in this wonderful counselor. He is my counselor. I listen. I heed to his wisdom. James chapter 3 verse 17 says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable. It's gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere his wisdom is for all his children and as we grow in relationship with God we get to explore more of the mysteries of God in maturity so if you're someone who is constantly asking the question to God why why did you do this why did you do that how did you go about this how did you give me healing how do miracles work you know what seek the father Because the Bible shows us that in our Christian maturity, we get to know better about the mysteries of God. Amen. And part of that maturity is this also, friends. As you mature in Christ, you get to the point where you say, you know what? I don't need to know. As you mature in Christ, you don't ask so many questions. You may not understand some things, and that is genuine. Ask questions. If you don't understand something scripture says, ask questions. Ask us, ask an elder, ask another brother and sister, ask the Father for clarification through his Holy Spirit. But ask. But it does come a point where, Lord, why did you send Jesus? That's when I get stuck in. I drive. Did I just drop something? Sorry. <laughs> wow. I shared with you guys that it's when I drive to work in the morning that I have my quiet time with God. And I was listening to a song on the radio yesterday, like I said, driving home. And 
these three words of a song hit me. And I shared it with a couple of people on the worship team. And it was, um, how kind of God to think of me. And then in the chorus of that song, he says, how kind of God to be a king who hung between two thieves. And I asked my daughter, I said, baby, do you know how many crosses there were on the mount when Jesus died? And she said, daddy, there were three. And I said, do you know who were the men next to Jesus? And she said, no. And I said, they were thieves. They were bad men who deserved their punishment. And she asks the question, well, daddy, but Jesus was good. So why did he hang in between those two bad men? And you know what? That's still a question that I have. But how kind of God to do it for me and for you? That was the reason why. That's what the world was perceiving at the time as wrong. That someone would claim that they were a king. That he was a king and that he needed to die. Because everybody else was defending themselves from death. And Jesus was paving a way to it. You see how his counsel and wisdom is different than ours? His wisdom is for all his children. Furthermore, Jesus counsels towards each of us. His counsel is wonderful because unlike your therapists and your psychologists and your peers and your accountability partners, he actually knows you. Big difference. Jesus doesn't need to rely on experience or his scientific experience to diagnose or to prescribe. He knows everything about you. He created you. His counsel treats your brokenness with exactly what you need, which ultimately is him. He has the remedy for everything that we are going through because he knows that it is him. He doesn't counsel you with hope that it'll work. He tells you exactly the cup of water that you need to no longer thirst. And I don't know who's in this room right now. Thirsty. Thirsty. Thirsty for, I don't know what, a million things. But we're thirsty. But Jesus can satisfy. And he never gets his counsel wrong. Some of us, I've sat with you and you said, oh, well, I've been to see that counselor. And ah, I felt like he was picking. It's usually men. Usually the men saying that the counselor was picking on them. But some of us struggle with hearing the things that we are doing wrong. Ladies, the same. Some of us don't like hearing the things that we need to correct. Are you uncomfortable? Did we get uncomfortable? I saw some of you pull back a little bit. Right? But we need counsel. Counsel is found when there is a void. When something needs correction. And so the fact that we can look to Jesus and perceive him as wonderful counselor. And trust that his counsel is correct. That it's pure. That it's peaceable. That it's gentle. That it's open to reason. That it is full of mercy. And of course like James chapter 3 verse 17 in his wisdom and his knowledge, it gives good fruit. Jesus' counsel gives 
good fruit. What a great gift God was promising us through Isaiah. It wasn't just for the people of Israel that were running away from the Assyrians. It's for you. You who are young, you who are in your teens, high school, uh, middle school, our children, newlyweds, engaged. If you're old or older, no offense, I'm sorry. I know, I, I said that wrong, my apologies. Whatever stage in your life, first, let me teach you this. And this is the counsel from your pastor. It's not too late. It's not too late to change your life. It's not too late, too late to repent and turn around. And I know that some of you struggle with loneliness. Some of you struggle with addictive behaviors. Well, Jesus can fix it. Jesus can fix it. You just have to trust that his counsel will get you to a place where your thirst can be satisfied. But this is the issue. We don't believe. We don't believe. And when we receive counsel from Jesus, it's like when our counselors and our therapists give us recommendations. What do we do? We go home and we don't do it. Treat your wife better. When she raises your voice at you, answer with kindness. And what do we go home? We go home and fight again. We stay angry. But Jesus says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And what do you do? And you wake up the next day and your anger's been marinating. You're, you're more upset today than you were yesterday, even though today you don't know what you're mad about. When we receive Jesus' counsel, let's hear it, internalize it, and live it out. Today we get to know him as our wonderful, wonderful counselor. Let's pray.